Hello, and welcome to The Shining Light, where we are shining the light of the gospel and speaking the truth in love, providing strength, and stirring the hearts of our listeners. We are so glad to have you joining us today as you listen to this message from Pastor Tim Cruz. Praise the Lord, and thank you so much for that song. And may it be so in each of our hearts that I love this land enough to stand fast and to do what is right before God and I appreciate that. On September 14, 1814, Francis Scott Key penned a poem which was later set to music in 1931, America's National Anthem, The Star-Spangled Manor. The poem originally titled The Defense of Fort McHenry was written after Key witnessed the Maryland fort being bombarded by the British during the War of 1812. Key was inspired by the sight of the long U.S. flag flying over Fort McKendree at daybreak, as reflected in these now famous words, and the rocket's red glare, the bombs bursting in air, gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. We are still in this ongoing fight for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness for a more perfect union with liberty and justice for all. But we are forgetting the one from whom we were birthed as a nation. We're moving away from our foundations. I thought about England. Where is England? Once a beacon for God. Churches everywhere. Preachers faithful to Jesus Christ. Where are they today? They have forgotten God and their heritage. Only 15% of families in the UK have two parents in the home. You cannot counsel or even pray legally with a homosexual or a transgender if even if they want to change. The church stopped preaching the gospel. They stopped exalting Jesus Christ. The centrality of the gospel was mitigated by cultural matters. They got their eyes off the reason they existed, Christians did, in the churches. And as a result, now many of them have been turned into mosques. I've been there and seen it firsthand. As goes the home, so goes the church. As goes the church, so goes the nation. There were 270 life-saving stations along the coast of America that eventually, over time, would become clubs. They would hire out the rescues, and now they only exist as museums. That's what our churches are becoming, a shell of what we once were. I wonder if as a Christian, that's where you're at today, a shell of what you once were for God. God wants to speak to us today. God wants us to be humbled in his presence. There are 57 depictions of the Ten Commandments in our United States Supreme Court building. 57 depictions. Psalm 33, 12 declares, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Our nation recognized that at a certain point. 
but we are moving further and further from that, and you see the chaos, the division, the angst, the hatred. The love of many is waxing so cold. This is not the land many of us grew up in. This is not the same country because every generation must fight the battle against tyranny of the heart, the mind, and the soul. God wants us to take to heart his word this morning. I want you to stand with me and turn in your Bibles to 2 Chronicles chapter 7. 2 Chronicles chapter 7. gave to King Solomon concerning the nation of Israel upon the dedication of the temple, the house of God. They had, during this time of dedication, a solemn assembly in verse 9, and then in time they went home glad in verse 10. We want to come to church in the presence of God in his house oftentimes to be made glad or happy when God wants us to come in a sense of humility, and reverence, and be made holy. Happiness is not a goal of the Christian. It's a byproduct of being right with God and each other. When there's a clear conscience and a clear mind, there's a love for God and a love for others, I'll tell you that's where true joy, true gladness, true happiness is found. Let's read this aloud together, 2 Chronicles 7 and verse 14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Thank you. You may be seated. God still promises, if my people, think about that, my people. He's not appealing to those who don't know him, but those who do know him. Those who at one time at least had a heart for him. Right in the heart of this verse is, if my people will pray. It's all around prayer. I want you to think about this in this matter of praying to God on behalf of our country. God says to Solomon, if my people that get in trouble for some reason or providentially have allowed some kind of trial or testing in their lives, if they'll come to me, if they'll pray. Think about that. The word pray in this text means to judge. Hey, we need God. This is a time to seek the Lord. It also means to entreat the judge, the judge of all the earth, who shall do right, Genesis 25. We know that our God reigns and that our God will do right by us. We've got to just simply humble ourselves and seek his face. So I want you to think about this as we consider this matter of praying for our country. How do we pray for our country? Number one, by humbling ourselves. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. I want you to make a note of that, number one, by humbling yourself. The word humble means to bend the knee, to bow down, to vanquish or subdue, to bring down. It's like just saying, I've got to humble myself. I am hoping everyone else will humble themselves. What about me? Are you willing to humble yourself? 
Are you willing to vanquish and set aside your pride, your self-will, your self-righteousness? And by the way, we all have a measure of that within us. It's there in our humanity, the old nature. And we have to come to a place to where we say, Lord, I'm willing to come to the end of myself. I'm willing to humble myself. I'm willing to get along with you, Lord, and seek your face. Hold your place here, but... Turn with me over to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 6. I want you to see a vital verse here on prayer, this matter of personal, private prayer. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 6, For thou, when thou prayest, when you pray, enter into thy closet, And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth thee in secret shall what? Reward thee openly. Let me ask you, are you willing to pray, to seek God, to set aside your pride, self-will, self-righteousness, and say, Lord, I, I, I have a need for you, but so does my country in which I live. The place that we've enjoyed, the freedoms that others have paid the ultimate price for, Lord, surely if, if they were willing to stand and lay down their lives, I can humble myself and kneel. I can bow before you, Lord. I, I can seek your face. I think of our personal humbling before God, our corporate humbling before God. The strength of the church is the sum total of the members' prayer lives that make it up. How's your prayer life? How's mine? It's time to come face to face with where we are before God. I don't like to get together and decry what everyone else is doing wrong and what everyone else needs to adjust or address. I've got some things that I need to adjust, that I need to address in my own life. We've got to personalize this. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, you humble yourself, I humble myself. If we're humbled before God, then God will not only bless us individually, but God will bless us corporately. Scott Pauley said, churches don't move forward because of a pastor's good sermon, better programs, or a met budget. Churches move forward on their knees. Spurgeon said, it is a sad thing that after all of Christ's love to us, we should repay it with lukewarm love to him. We haven't lost our first love. We're secure in Christ by grace through faith. But I'll tell you what, if we're not careful, we can leave our first love. Move away from that heart that's fervent, that's yearning for God, burning for God, desirous of his glory in our lives, through our lives, because of our lives. Oh, may God speak to us. Are you willing to humble yourself for the glory of God, for God's sake, for your family's sake, for your church family's sake, for your country's sake? Are you willing to say, I can't make this about me, I can't make it about what I want. I must make it about God, his glory, 
and what others need. I do want my life to count for God, don't you? I've been serving the Lord these years. I, was, I met a fellow preacher recently, and he and I were talking about it, and just on the heels of seeing someone that I used to work with as a teenager back at the Solway Fish House in Concord. Now, that's been a long time ago. I was working there when I got saved. I was 18 years old. That was 1981. Do the math right quick, all right? 42 years since God saved me. He's been faithful to me. I have no complaint about the Lord. I have many complaints about me. <laughs> I, I think the more, I thought when I was younger, the, the more I went with God, the less and less I would uh, grapple with things of this earth. That's not true. Sometimes the more you go, the more you realize your own vulnerability and your need for God. Someone said there are different seasons of life when Satan is really going to try to tempt us and, and distract us and destroy us even if we're not careful. And one of those seasons is right before you finish your race. That speaks to me. I do want to finish well, don't you? I want to finish strong. I, we've come this far by faith. I, I've got issues. You've got issues. We've got needs. But, but it's nothing that the Lord can attend to. It's nothing that God can't take care of. We've got to be willing to humble ourselves, dear people, and seek God. I want to tell you, church is not going to get it. Uh, preachers are not going to get it. Uh, programs are not going to get it. Uh, you know, all the things that we might offer, they're not going to get it. I'll tell you what, we need a divine intervention of the true and living God of heaven. And there's a God who's willing to hear and answer our prayer. Pray for your country by humbling yourself. Number two, by seeking his face. If they shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. The Hebrew word for face in the Old Testament also has the thought of presence. When you seek the face of God, you're seeking his presence. The call to seek God's face was issued to his people because they had abandoned him in unbelief and disobedience. They had gone astray and they needed to come back to their God. Seek his face. Seek his presence in your life. God is everywhere in his omnipresence, but he is not just anywhere in his manifest presence. God longs to manifest himself to you and through you to show himself strong, to hear your prayer, to work on your behalf, to meet needs, to work in changing hearts and lives. That's the God of heaven if we'll seek his presence. I tell you, if we don't have the presence of God in our lives and in this church, we're just going through the motions, right? Who are we kidding? Better yet, who are we deceiving? Be ye doers of the word and not hearers, only deceiving your own selves. I, I've come too far to just knowingly believe a lie, deceive myself, or not check it with the word of God. God's word is true. Let every man be a liar. Because what God says is the final authority. 
Let's come back to the Word of God and say, Lord, what do you say? What is your mind in the matter? Lord, would you give us that which only you can give us, not only guidance and light and direction, but give us a fresh manifestation of your blessing and your power and your love. The Bible says his love is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is in us. Think about that. God is at work in your heart and in my heart. I can't live the Christian life without Jesus Christ. This is not a religion. It's not a church thing. It's a relationship with the living God of heaven by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. By humbling yourself, by seeking his face, we're to pray. Number three, by turning from your wicked ways. How many of you have heard about this uprising in France? You heard about that? You know, you read, you wonder. This is starting to break out in other places in Europe. There are those who are speculating that this is created chaos that paves the way for a created new order out of the chaos. If we really knew where this world was and where it was headed, we'd be in this altar seeking God. This world is headed for judgment. You think it's bad now? I'll tell you. We've all heard it said, right? You ain't seen nothing yet. We cannot imagine the judgment of God that's going to be poured out upon this earth. You say, well, if that's just the way, whatever will be, will be, then let's just leave it there. And, uh, you know, and that's just, that's just the way it's going to unfold. Hold your place back here, but turn with me over to Daniel. Daniel chapter 4. I want you to see a verse here. Daniel is saying to King Nebuchadnezzar, God rules in the affairs of men, but this is so powerful to me. And it speaks to my heart. Daniel chapter 4, verse 27. Wherefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable unto thee and break off thy sins by righteousness and thine iniquities, thine iniquities, by showing mercy to the poor. If, if, underline that, if my people, if the condition of God, you humble yourself, you seek my face, then this is what I'll do. If, then, if, it may be a lengthening of thy tranquility. Would you underline that? God responds to our response to him. See, we're not fatalists. Believing in the sovereignty of God doesn't say, well, whatever will be, will be. Well, why pray? Why do anything? It's just whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Then we're just like robots or puppets. No, we're not. What's so beautiful about the sovereignty of God, someone said it this way, let's just say that you had the image in your mind as if we were all puppets, but really the sovereignty of God is even greater than that because God even cuts the string. And then we act, we choose, we decide. He's still sovereign and he's still in control. Isn't that amazing? He's a great God. 
but he does respond to our response to him. Jeremiah 18 says that, that when he purposes to judge a nation because of their sin, if those people would turn back to him from their sin, then he will turn away from the judgment that he was going to meet out upon that nation. God responds to our response to him. He doesn't change. We change. That's what turning is. It's repentance, humbling ourselves before God, just bringing ourselves to a place to where we are repenting of the sin that's in our heart. It's easy to pray about everyone else's sin, but what about our own? Turning from our wicked ways, from mine, uh, that's what amazes me is we think we're church-going people. We're upright people. Uh, we're not perfect, but we're not as bad as a lot of these other sinners, you know. No, you're a sinner, and I'm a sinner. And apart from the grace of God, uh, there wouldn't be any of us here today. And if we truly got what we deserved, heaven would not be our destination, but hell. We understand that, right? But what does that do when it comes to seeking the face of God? Think about it. Break off thy sins. The word, the phrase there, break off, literally means just stop it. Just stop it. Now, Lord, I, I've been doing this long enough. It's not right. I'm going to stop it, and I'm going to get things out of my life that contribute to that sin or encourage that sin in my life. I'm just going to stop it, break off. Sometimes you just got to make up your mind you're going to do what's right and ask God to help you, and he will. Isn't that right? Just stop it. But then... It says, break off thy sins by righteousness. Start doing what's right in its place. God doesn't just say stop something, but start something in its place. And if you give something that is right before God, your heart, your priority, your affection, then God will cultivate that hunger and that thirst, that desire for righteousness to draw closer to him that he might be glorified in you in your life. That's what God wants us to see. Are we willing to humble ourselves before the Lord and stop sinning, turn from our wicked ways and start doing what's right? It says, if it may be a lengthening, a prolonging of thy tranquility, that word means true peace and safety. The Bible says in the last days there are going to be those who are crying peace and safety, but there won't be any peace and safety, Right? But there is a true peace and safety God can give to you and me. And here we still have the freedoms in America to assemble like this. There are people today in this world, if they were called openly assembling or even privately, it would cost them their lives. We better use our freedoms that we currently have to secure our freedoms before we lose our freedoms. You can have an impact, so can I. You say, well, no, it's just whatever's going to be. Hey, this is the way it's going to be in the last days. See, you're missing the very heart of God. You're going to miss something here if you're not careful. Don't be fatalistic. Don't be pessimistic. Don't be unbelieving. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The only thing they can do and they must is lay those foundations again. That's what we're trying to do in the lives of these precious children 
in this church and through this ministry, in our Sunday school, in our bus ministry, but also in this children's home, in our academy. Oh, what a day of opportunity, a day of responsibility. We've got to step up and step into that, right? And train another generation of young people for God. We don't know the timing of the Lord. We don't know when he's coming back. But we know that every generation, the Bible says David served his own generation by the will of God. We've got to serve our generation. Now, I don't know about you, but if the Lord came right now, I'd be perfectly happy. Now, I know a lot of teenagers didn't say amen or think it even. And I have to be honest, when I was in college, I would not have said amen. Wait a minute, I want to graduate, I want to get married, I want to have a family. I mean, I got a lot of things I'd like to do. I love the Lord and I'm looking forward to heaven, but you know, hey, not right now, right? Isn't that amazing? But as I've gone through life, I told the children family altar, I said, if there's one thing looking back, and you know, you live your life and you learn, right? The Bible says, be careful for nothing, be anxious for nothing. I said, when I was in college, I was so anxious about getting out. I've been out of Bible college now for 40 years. 40 years right at it. I was really anxious about who I was going to marry. I've been married for 36 years. I was really anxious about having children. Now, I never thought how many. I never really thought two, three, four, five, ten. I never thought that. But all of that God has brought to pass in my life. And I wish I would learn even at this stage not to fret as much and be anxious because as God has done, I know God will do. Isn't that right? So this is not to create anxiety. Oh, no, we need the Lord. Oh, it's bad. I mean, I'm poor. No, no, no. It's like I'm going to come into the presence of the God who is in control. He knows where I am. He knows what's going on in my life. And he knows what's going on in my family, in our church family, in our city, our state, our country. And he said if I would pray, if I would ask him to work, if I would humble myself, if I would turn to him in my heart for my sin that's caused me to drift further from him, then he said he would hear me, he would forgive me, and he would bring healing to our land. You know what? We shouldn't pray as a despairing people today. Oh, Lord, what are we going to do? Not about what we're going to do. It's about what he can do and what he will do if we'll humble ourselves and seek his face. I do want to seek the Lord. I want to bow before him. I want to seek his manifest presence in my life. Except the Lord build the house, right? The Lord. Except the Lord keep the city. See, we, we've found out how to do it. We've got jobs, we've got education, we've got money. There's a lot of things we can do even in the name of church or ministry or religion. God's not looking for all the things that we can do for him. He's looking for people who have a heart for him and say, Lord, we want to see what you can do for us and through us that all the earth may know that there is a God in heaven. Lord, we just want people to know who you are. We just want to point people to you, Lord. Because that is why we're here. 
It's the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the great mission that God has given us to do. Now, I've got some Bible reading I'm not going to do today, but I want to close with one other verse. And I want you to turn with me back to Isaiah. I want you to think about this. And perhaps we'll read some of these scriptures like responsive reading because we've got some verses here. Uh, we, we just have entered into a time to where we need to be reminded of who God is and how God is at work in our lives. Isaiah chapter 5, just turn there. Isaiah chapter 5. I want you to know where this verse is because this is where we are. And I want to caution us as the people of God to not get caught up in this. Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20. Let's read this aloud together. Isaiah 5 verse 20. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitterness for sweet and sweet for bitter. Do you see what happens when you leave God out? Everything gets reversed, turned on its head. The Bible says here in Isaiah, truth is fallen in the streets. We don't need God. We don't need that Bible. We don't need the church. We don't need all these things. And look, every decision man makes independently of God leads him down a path of just chaos and confusion and conflict. Do you think our country's better because we're forgetting God? We know it's not. Then what's the answer? You say, well, if I could get all those people out there to turn to God, we, we, we'd see some change. No, God doesn't say all the people who don't know me. He says, you who know me, if you will turn back to me, I will hear your prayer and forgive your sin, and I will heal your land. You can make a difference in your life, your family, your church, in this city and in this nation. Do we believe that? Do we truly believe that if we pray and seek God, that God in heaven will hear? See, he doesn't have to deliver by many. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles, he could deliver even by few. It's not how great we are. You're not looking for some great people to work through. No, he's just looking for a people who recognize that he's a great God and would cry out in faith in a true heart to this great God. He will help us address this great need for his mercy, his love, his light, his truth in our lives. Thank you for listening to The Shining Light. We pray that this time has been a time of encouragement and blessing to you. The Shining Light is a production of Shining Light Baptist Church located at 2541 Old Charlotte Highway in Monroe, North Carolina. If you don't have a church home, we invite you to join us. Service times and more information can be found at our website, www.shininglightmonroe.com. You can also watch our services on Facebook and YouTube and connect with us on social media. Thank you for joining us, and God bless.